I was always fascinated by the stories my son Jack told me about his discovery of Bigfoot Cave. I remember the excitement in his voice as he recounted the tale of how he stumbled upon the cave during his senior year of high school. He and his friends had decided to explore the cave in the spring of 1994, but what they found there was beyond their wildest dreams. As I listened to Jack's story, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. Thought of my son encountering some strange creature out there in the woods was terrifying to me. But Jack was always fearless and adventurous, just like his old man. According to Jack, they had arrived at the cave around 4 p.m. and saw a gigantic, long-haired creature standing at the entrance. They were so scared that they quickly left and ran to a landing, far above the cave, where they heard moaning sounds. A week later, Zane, one of Jack's friends, decided to visit the landing. It was a beautiful day, and he and his wife planned to camp there for the night. But at midnight, they were awoken by the eerie sound of moaning, and Zane's wife refused to ever go camping again. As a park ranger, I had heard many stories of Bigfoot sightings, but I never really believed in them, until now. Jack's account of his encounter had me intrigued, and I decided to investigate further. I wanted to see if there was any evidence to support his claim of a creature living in Bigfoot Cave. I organized a team of experts and headed to the cave with the latest equipment for detecting any signs of life. As we entered the cave, we could feel the eerie presence of something or someone watching us. Suddenly, we heard the same moaning sounds that Zane had reported. We froze in our tracks, unsure of what to do next. But then, I remembered my training and reminded myself that I was a park ranger and it was my duty to investigate further. We pushed forward following the sounds until we came to a small opening in the cave wall. And there, to our surprise, we saw the unmistakable footprints of a large creature with four toes. I knew then that Jack and his friends were telling the truth. There was indeed something living in Bigfoot Cave. I made sure to report my findings to the authorities and to take all necessary precautions to protect the public from any potential danger. As for me, I still think about that moaning sound in the night and what it might mean. But I am grateful for the experience as it opened my eyes to the mysteries that lie hidden in the forest, waiting to be discovered. The wind whispered through the Yellowstone trees as I led the group of ten adventurous campers deep into the heart of the forest. My name is Sam, a seasoned park ranger with years of experience in these wildernesses. Today, our destination was a place infamous for its numerous Sasquatch sighting. As we delved deeper into the forest, the excitement in the air was palpable. The group split into smaller teams to explore different areas, eager to uncover evidence of the elusive creatures. We had radios to maintain contact, ensuring everyone's safety. However, as time passed, strange occurrences began to unfold. Eerie noises echoed through the trees, and the atmosphere grew increasingly tense. We found strange footprints and broken branches, evidence that we were not alone in these woods. Our joy turned to fear when one of the campers failed to respond to the radio calls. Panic set in as we searched for them only to discover their mutilated body lying on the forest floor. It was a horrifying sight, the first hint of the danger lurking in these woods. 
the disappearances continued, one camper after another vanishing without a trace. The remaining groups stumbled upon the grisly remains of their friends, their bodies torn apart with brutal force. It was a nightmare come to life, a realization that we were being hunted by a merciless and territorial clan of Bigfoot-like creatures. I gathered the survivors, their faces etched with terror, and relayed the grim truth. We were in the midst of a battle for our lives. We had become intruders in their sacred territory, and they would stop at nothing to protect it. With each passing moment, the sense of urgency intensified. We navigated through the dense forest, desperately trying to outrun our pursuers. The creature's haunting calls echoed all around us, their presence a constant reminder of the danger lurking in the shadows. One by one my comrades fell, their screams echoing through the trees before abruptly ceasing. Fear and grief gripped my heart, but I knew I had to keep pushing forward. Their sacrifice would not be in vain. In a final act of desperation, I lured one of the creatures into a trap. With every ounce of strength and skill, I fought for my life. Adrenaline surged through my veins as I landed a fatal blow, its lifeless body collapsing to the ground. The rest of the clan, witnessing the demise of one of their own, retreated into the depths of the forest, never to be seen again. Silence settled over the forest, broken only by the mournful cries of the wind. As I stood there, gasping for breath, the weight of loss settled upon my shoulders. The creature I had slain was responsible for the deaths of ten campers, precious lives snuffed out by a merciless predator. I vowed to carry their memory with me, forever haunted by the tragic outcome of our expedition. In the aftermath, I emerged as the sole survivor, forever marked by the horrors I had witnessed. The forest, once filled with wonder and mystery, now held a darker truth. The legend of the Sasquatch had turned into a nightmare, a chilling reminder of the perils that lay hidden within the wilderness. With a heavy heart, I returned to civilization, burdened by the knowledge of the price we had paid. The memory of that fateful journey would forever serve as a cautionary tale, a reminder to tread carefully in the realm of the unknown. And as a seasoned park ranger, I would forever carry the weight of the lives lost, a guardian haunted by the memory of a battle against unimaginable creatures. Not really a hike, but a walk saw. There was this abandoned house that the homeless children would stay in and people left heaps of expired food on the doorstep for the kids. Holies, it stank. Saw something stuffed in the crawlspace vent on the side of the house and checked it out. I realized it was the top of a black man's head. I was terrified and turned around and walked away as fast as possible. This was one of the worst parts of town, so I didn't do anything, but I still think about it. About eight years ago, I went on a hike with my sister. We smoked a blunt, swisher-sweet split and emptied, then filled with weed, in the car beforehand and were very baked as we started the hike. About twenty minutes into the hike, we see what looks like a patch of hair sticking out of the ground. I make a joke about it and she starts to get really freaked out. I look closer and sure enough it looks exactly like human hair. 
We sat there for a good ten minutes, contemplating what to do, even considered calling the cops. Finally got tired of the eerie dread and pulled at the hair. Turns out there's patches of grass that look just like human hair. My eldest cousin was hiking the backwoods of Alabama with his wife. About halfway through their day, he noticed that someone was shadowing them. He calmly informed his wife, who was an Air Force captain at the time, and the both of them casually stretched so that their concealed firearms could be seen by the person shadowing them. That person stopped following them pretty much immediately from that moment. Different story. Younger brother of that cousin was out on a hike somewhere out by Mammoth in California and ran into what looked like an S-assault in progress. Like any sensible person, he jumped in to prevent what it obviously looked like. After a short scuffle, he got the guy into a headlock, but the woman started shouting at my cousin that it was consensual. After a brief and what I imagine was a very awkward conversation. This cousin is very religious. My cousin is very religious. My cousin let the guy go and apologized. Luckily for him, the couple was very understanding, and Thry actually praised him for stepping in like he did. As a park ranger named Jack, my days were usually spent exploring the rugged beauty of the Grand Canyon National Park. However, the tranquility was shattered when reports of strange occurrences reached my ears. Camper spoke of hearing unsettling whispers and witnessing unexplained phenomena deep within the forest. Intrigued and concerned, I couldn't ignore their claims. The camper's accounts led me down a path I never expected. Reddit threads revealed stories of a cryptid known as the Whisperer, a shadowy figure rumored to entice unsuspecting victims into the woods with its hypnotic whispers. I couldn't dismiss these stories as mere fabrications, especially as more reports flooded in Determined to uncover the truth, I delved deeper into the forest, my senses alert to any unusual signs or sounds. The forest seemed alive, whispering secrets that danced on the edge of my perception. Each step brought a mix of anticipation and trepidation. During one of my patrols, the atmosphere crackled with an undeniable energy. The air grew heavy, and a chill snaked on my spine. I cautiously moved forward, following a faint trail that led deeper into the heart of the forest. And then I saw it. A flicker of movement in the shadows caught my attention. My heart skipped a beat as my eyes focused on a creature, a cryptid standing just beyond my reach. Time seemed to stand still as I registered its presence. Without thinking, I reached for my rifle, a reflex born out of self-preservation and the instinct to protect. The weight of the weapon in my hands gave me a false sense of control, I took aim, my finger tightening on the trigger. But before I could fire, the cryptid vanished into thin air. It dissolved into the darkness, leaving only the echo of its eerie whispers behind. My shot missed its mark, and the creature was gone, as elusive as ever. A mixture of frustration and awe washed over me. The encounter left me shaken, my belief system shattered. I could no longer deny the existence of the Whisperer. The camper's accounts, the Reddit stories, and now my own first-hand experience had transformed me into a believer. From that moment forward, my dedication to protecting the park took on a new fervor. 
I no longer questioned the supernatural elements that intertwined with the natural beauty of the Grand Canyon. Instead, I embraced the responsibility of safeguarding both visitors and the enigmatic secrets hidden within the forest. I have worked many different jobs in my lifetime, starting as a janitor. I worked on a farm for about two years at one point later as a P teacher in a high school. I was even an officer before eventually moving to New Jersey and eventually getting a job as a park ranger in the Pine Barrens. I'd moved to New Jersey to be closer to my family. The job didn't seem to be hard. I'd work four days a week and I would spend all my time in the park. The other three would be my days off. Now, I haven't worked for the park for a very long time, and I'm about to tell you why. I think I lasted a year, and maybe even less than that. I had a series of very strange things happen to me there, and the final straw made me quit my job as soon as I got the chance. So, I began working at Pine Barrens in April of that year. I was introduced to the job and the park by the park services. The place is humongous. It stretches over the area that is 22% of New Jersey. My job was to patrol a certain area, make sure everything was in order. If you've ever visited the Pine Barrens, you would know that abandoned buildings and towns are scattered throughout the park. I would clock in on a Tuesday, work through the Friday, and Saturday through Monday. The first couple of weeks went smooth. I was getting familiar with the woods and my route. The third week was when my first spooky experience happened. It was Thursday evening. I was going my regular route. The park was buzzing with nature sounds. There were no people anywhere that I'd run into that day. I know that sometimes kids like to wander the park at night looking for ghosts or just a secluded place to hang, but I had not seen any of them either. I was taking little mental notes of my surroundings, and I noticed the humming and buzzing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from at first. I looked around for a few minutes, and still, nothing. The noise was beginning to get closer, which is when I realized it was sneering me from above. I looked up and saw three bright lights moving in a circle almost as if they were spiraling down towards me. Instinctively, I ducked and ran as fast as I could. It probably ran for a couple of hundred feet before turning around to see the lights were still there. They were not. There was no humming now, either. I dropped to the ground, trying to gather my composite and catch my breath. I also tried to make sense of what had happened five minutes prior. I do believe in aliens, even though I never had an encounter before. I had no clue what else that could have been, so I kind of been in agreement with myself. Those were aliens, and I wouldn't think about that anymore. And it was okay for a while. My second experience happened about five months after I began working in the park. I was again going on my regular route. It was now about 7 p.m., and at this point, since it was October, the sun was getting very low in the sky, and it was getting dark. The route was clear. Everything seemed to be in order until I noticed something lurking behind the trees, about a hundred yards away from me. At first it looked like a person, and maybe a man, about 5'7". I thought it might have been some college kid playing a prank, trying to scare me. I saw his shoulder peeking behind a tree. I yelled out that nobody is allowed to be in the woods, the Slade in this time of year. He didn't move. Only after I shouted the third time, he had finally moved in front of the tree. I could take a good look at him. When I saw him, I nearly had a heart attack. 
He was dressed in dirty, torn-up clothing, but the most disturbing thing about him was his head. Or lack of one, I should say. I looked at him not knowing if I should ask what he was. What happened to him or just bolt out of there as fast as I could. I did neither for a solid three minutes. I froze even though I noticed he had begun moving closer to me. He started running up to me as he was getting closer. I realized he was also translucent. This was a poltergeist. Now when it comes to an alien, I'm a believer. When it comes to ghosts, however, I was very skeptical and sarcastic at times that anybody would talk about ghosts or demons or any alleged paranormal activity. I moved to the right a couple of steps as he was running straight at me, and he just vanished. I turned around to see where he had gone, but there was no trace of him. Only a vapory trail of mist, just what looked like a cloud of dust, almost settling. After that second incident, I decided that all my love for nature and the outdoors, and as much as I love being a ranger, staying here was not worth it. This hot mess of a place was not worth me going literally insane for. Trying to keep working there, I called in the next day and explained the situation. They told me that something like this had already happened for their previous rangers. They tried to convince me to stay on the job for longer and doubled my pay, but I refused. I would not risk losing my own mind. Hiking with my scout group a few years back. We usually just followed the roads, but one of our leaders knew the area and told us about a three-kilometer little trail that would lead us straight through the woods and cut about two hours from our planned route giving us more time to chill in the evening. So we took the trail, and after about a kilometer came across a campsite. Nothing unusual, just a regular tent. Small campfire set up but not yet lit and a few dishes. Then we heard some noise, like someone trying to scream. So we investigated and found a little girl, about six, tied up and muffled in the back of the tent. We asked her who she was and how she ended up tied and muffled on that little trail, but she only spoke Dutch, so I had to translate for the rest of the group. She said her uncle had taken her out to go camping for a few days, and that once they'd arrived here, he told her not to leave and tied her up to make sure she wouldn't. We assumed he was a, quote, kid lover, and going to R her or else straight up kill her. So we took her back to the main road, called the police, and when they arrived and took care of the girl, a few of the officers asked us to lead them to the camp. When we got back there, the tent was gone and the fire was broken up to make it seem like there had been nothing there. But you could tell there had been a campsite, and we saw footprints all over. So we assumed that the uncle of the little girl had either seen us talk to the girl and take her away, or else came back from wherever he was to find the girl gone, and assumed he was found out and packed up the tent quickly and noped out of there. I shuddered to think what would have happened to the little girl if we hadn't heard her or found her. Edit to clarify, we were eight guys between 12 and 16. Some of us were actual bodybuilders or as close as and tall half. I assume he thought if we'd seen him, we'd beat him up, which we absolutely would have. We were also thought some very basic but effective self-defense by the scout leaders in case of any problems and were told to carry our camping knives in full view to deter problem seekers.